I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And today, and like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah Moria. I'm doing great. It's an honor to co-host this podcast with you, Micah, and it's yeah, it's a tremendous day, and we're going to have some fun, don't you think? I, I don't think, I think I know. I know we're going to have some fun today because there is a very special guest um, that we are going to be able to spend some time with today, and I know that you've done some traveling with this individual and not knowing them until you were on this trip, and then calling me every day or FaceTiming me every day, telling me the fun that you've been having with this fellow behind the scenes. So Josiah, who is that special guest and friend that you have been able to get to know since your India trip. So today we're joined by Andy Estrella. I'll introduce him in just a moment, but Andy, thanks for joining us today. Dude, what's up, man? I am excited. Yes, man. Good, good times on that India trip. Good time. (laughs) Well, I just want to tell the listener today about Andy and Candice Estrella. They lead, they're the directors of Missouri State Chi Alpha, and he's been involved with MSU uh, State Chi Alpha since 2008, took the director role in 2009. He's originally from New York, which is why as we zoom in, in this morning, we see the New York Knicks, black on black, fresh lid. We see the Giants banner in the background, New York Giants status, and he moved to Springfield to attend Central Bible College in 1999. Candace's wife is from Arkansas, She's been a nurse, but now loves being at home with their three daughters, growing family. Praise the Lord. Daddy powers activate. Yes, buddy. <laughs> and uh, one last thing is Andy and Candace uh, and their family just love working with college students, truly discipling them in the purpose that God has for them. A little bit about Missouri State Chi Alpha. It's a Christian campus ministry designed for men and women to connect with each other while seeking God in the process. Chi Alpha, by the way, is a national campus ministry um, in uh, an organization on over 300 college campuses and universities across America. And Andy, like Micah and I, we're newer to Chi Alpha. And when you're newer to Chi Alpha, someone you'll meet right away and you'll be welcomed with by open arms and a giant bear hug is Andy Estrella, and man, I'm excited. I just think of our paths crossed um, about earlier in 2020, we went on a- February. Yeah, in February. Yeah. And Mike is like eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant at this point. Uh-huh. But we went on a vision trip to see how Kyle could partner with just different countries across the world, in India specifically, how we could bless and be a resource to people everywhere. and. We have a friendship that's clicked and bonded and so many laughs, so many fun memories. But Andy, welcome to Young Adults Today podcast. Man, I am so excited uh, when, you know, uh, when you uh, send me a text to to be a part of this, I was pumped and uh, we played phone tags and our our schedules wouldn't cooperate with us. And but finally, uh, we made this happen and I'm super pumped and excited for it. Where there's a will, there's a way. And that's like yes. somebody in campus ministry. I feel like we've all learned that in COVID-19. Like 
ministry never stops. Right. And where there's a will, there's a way. And I have a will that's, I believe, inside the will of God. And sometimes I just have the gift of not giving up. Yeah, yeah let's <laughs> go. Man. It should be a spiritual gift. Persistence. <laughs> oh, so fun. So, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. I believe that not only where there's a will, there's a way, but today is the day and we're going to have some fun. And Andy, can you just jump in and just share with us, share with the listener today about your story of life, leadership, maybe family and ministry? Yeah. Well, uh, like you said, I grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, and um, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up in a, um, a home that were followers of, of Jesus. Uh, culturally, they in, embraced um, that, but <clears throat> as far as lifestyle and day-to-day or um, pursuing, there's, there's none of that. And, uh, and literally, it was just a radical enc- encounter. My, my oldest brother was a, a heroin addict, and um, we tried everything we can to help him out, and um, nothing was working. And then we came across this uh, program. It was my brother's at a rec center, met this guy who once was a drug addict and kicked the habit, and my brother asked how. And um, he said Teen Challenge. And um, some of our listeners are probably familiar totally. with uh, a drug and alcohol program or life controlling uh, program. Uh, and um, out of desperation, you know, because we tried detox programs and we dished out and shelled out tons of money. So we were broke. Um, we just put him in this program and um, we had to visit my brother at uh, the church I was connected with. And the day I walked in and um, it just changed my life. Um, they wow. invited me to a, a retreat and um, accepted Jesus. And literally, you know, my when my life encountered uh, the love of Jesus and the purpose of his mission, it just everything changed for me. Um, and, you know, went went off to, to Bible college uh, years after and, um, you, you know, family thought I was crazy. They're like, what is, what is this guy doing? Um, and that's what landed me in Springfield, Missouri. So, um, yeah, met my wife and, you know, with, with the three kids, uh, absolutely uh, just love it. So I always say God's called me to campus ministry, but he's also called me to be a dean of women. I have three girls. It's all ladies in this house. I'm, I'm a dean of women. I, I, I run a, a women's dorm here and I love it. They, they actually teach me way more than uh, I can, I, I, like my, my brain can uh, uh, kind of hold. And uh, so blessed, so blessed by that. Well, I'm new girl dad. I'm in yes. my first, first year of being a girl dad. And there's something special about a father's love for a daughter and a daughter's bond with her her dad so he's got that uh, times three right now so (laughs) right daddy powers activate daddy powers activate love it well andy i know that you are very passionate about the role that god has asked you to function in and to step into and we work with young adults and one thing that we tell our young adults is every single person is one invitation away from heaven one invitation away from saying yes to Christ, one invitation away from a life-changing experience and the direction of their life to be radically changed. And we know that that is so important for anybody and everybody, especially when we have the answer, we carry the answer with us. Obviously, we are not the answer as leaders, but we're going to always point them to Christ. And I would just ask you, where did your passion for campus ministry 
start? Obviously your relationship with God was activated like in that moment and you recognize like, oh my gosh, like I'm saying yes to this, but is there anything specific that really sparked your heart when it comes to campus ministry? Oh, uh, yeah, there, there definitely was a moment, a good friend of mine, actually from Bible college, after we graduated, I was actually doing a national after school program called Kid Care America and Thrive Student Centers. And, and I loved it. We partnered up with churches, helped them uh, build after school programs. It really connected me uh, with me just because the encounter at 13 I had with Jesus and I, you know, I was loving it. And then he kept inviting me to, to come to Chi Alpha. He was like, man, you need to check this out. And he would say lines that like, now that I, you know, I remember that I can, I can resonate with them. But at that moment, it just wasn't sticking. He was like, when I think of Chi Alpha and I think of my friends, I think of you, like you're the perfect. And I was like, all right, yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? And um, one day he's, he's speaking and he's like, hey, I'm speaking. They let me speak, you know. And he was a good friend and my wife and I were like, uh, we always had like double dates and stuff. I was like, let's go, man. So we went to uh, check out uh, the service and um, literally I, I can say it was just a super natural encounter while in the service, like the Lord, it was at Missouri State and uh, the Lord gave me this instant heart and passion and desire. And it was like a discovery for me where um the appeal, I, I will get, you know, a fir first, you know, beyond the foundation of Jesus and his calling and his purpose. But the huge uh, appeal was how relational college ministry needs to be. And I felt like that part, the relational aspect in every ministry as a part of, of course, they loved it. But they were like, hey, you know, you, you probably need they, they put a cap on it. They were like, hey, you know you can probably go to this relational level as far as like, you know, of course within my team and stuff like that, but as much as it was needed, but Kyle was like, we need it all. That's all we operate. And it just, I was like, Oh my goodness. It was just a great discovery for me. And uh, from there just fell in love with college ministry. I can't see, like I even talked to my friends who are in, in other ministries and I'm just like, I don't know how they do it. This is so much fun here. So Totally. And I think campus ministry is like a hidden treasure because, yeah. man, college students have so many passions, so many gifts, so much untapped potential and purpose, and they're in the process of discovery of it all. And that's part of the joy. And it's just ministry should be fun. Following Jesus yes. should be an adventure. And not only like this has just already been a theme of our conversation, not only were you one invitation away and not only are young people one invitation away from heaven, but it's not just that's where it stops. Like, hey, come and check it out. It's, it's like you, you reference this side of relationships that don't just stop with one invitation. Relationships are sticky and they're continuous. Yes. Yes. And Andy, a lot of leaders have never been discipled themselves. A lot of young people just have maybe never had someone further along the journey from them invest in them or invite in them or find them, feed them or fight for them. And I just look at like Paul and Barnabas or maybe even Moses was a great example. He had his father-in-law Jethro mm -hmm. mentor him, ask him hard questions, invest in him. He had Aaron and her 
to do life with, to hold his arms up. And then he had Joshua to speak into as the next generation. But what was your process of discipleship and being invested into what did that look like for you? Oh yeah. Um, hands down. Uh, you know, there's been people who literally invested and poured into my life. And of, of course, you know, I start off with my spiritual father, Ernest Wills, who uh, was a deacon in our church and uh, was, uh, 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 he worked in the, for the postal office and uh, just truly took me in as one of his sons uh, and uh, just loved on me. And um, I was a part of their family and truly discipled me. I, you know, I learned uh, how to be a man and how to uh, just uh, learn how to love others. And definitely, you know, Ernest Wills. But if I, if I think of others, you know what I mean? There's also Pastor Barry, Nicole Sudoff, and just people who truly invested. I, I always share this about... Um, the concept of relationships, like if, if we look at the gospel, right, and we look at scripture, if we look at the Old Testament and the new, until a relationship through Jesus was infused into, you know, biblical times, that it was dead. Like the law and the knowledge of Christ was absolutely dead until Jesus came and established a relationship with mankind. And um, that, that concept speaks to how we do ministry. The information we give is, is dead until there's a relational component to it. That's what makes it alive. And that's how I feel we should operate. We should always look for a deep and true relational component when we reach, to, reach out to people. I think that's so good to recognize that they need to be connected to the one and to the only. And I think for the listener today, when we are in leadership or we're not being discipled, I, my biggest prayer um, for the listener today is that you would be taken back to your first love, that you as a leader, if you are burnt out, if you are restless in a difficult season coming um, into a new year or coming out of COVID or if we're still in COVID, whatever happens in the future, to know that we need to be taken back to our first yeah. love constantly and to have people disciple us and to call out that greatness and to call us out and up in those moments is so detrimental and to constantly be developed um, aside from the word of God, aside from, you know, the church leaders, we need to learn how to learn and develop our own behaviors and surrender that to God constantly when it comes to leadership and our personal walk. And we know that a lot of our listeners are just starting out. They're saying, totally. Hey, this is my first role yep. or I'm trying to resurrect a ministry that's kind of been dead for a while. Maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 10 months, maybe it's, you know, 20 years, who knows to the listener today, but a lot of our listeners are young adult leaders just getting started, maybe coming out of college, um, leaving their college campus or, potentially stepping into a new role of leading ministry at their church. Will you describe like, what does discipleship look like for us? Like what should we be doing when we're developing our teams or discipling those um, below us? Cause we should always have people above us and we should be discipling people behind us. I always think of it as linking arms up to a generation and my other arms down to the generation that I get to be a part of that bridge and hopefully it can continue to go on after I'm long gone. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I, I would say, you know, a lot of times stepping in to to ministry, and I, I don't know if, you know, some of our listeners, if you, if you come from a Bible college background or, you know, you just come from uh, just any, you know, from a, a, just a profession or you just have a degree or just are available at, at your church and you're just stepping into this. Um, I, you know, I think back of, um, you know, the things that I've had to learn to be successful at discipleship. And the, the biggest thing is being available to people. And um, my wife and I always say, we want more ministry to happen in our home than it does outside our home. And um, what does that mean? That looks like, you know, our, our dinners are open. Um, we, we have students over to eat constantly. Um, lunches, Saturday, uh, you know, brunches. Uh, every Sunday night, we have our, um, what we call is our discipleship group, which is our leaders. Um, every Sunday night, they're over our house, we cook a meal. And the things we've had to learn is how to be available. Uh, a lot of things that we teach students, um, you know, besides the biblical foundations and uh, biblical knowledge, is how to be a friend to somebody else. So um, my, my wife, we had to learn, my wife and I, we thought we were good hosts. And we realized, like, we can be better hosts. We, we can welcome people. We can have our lives being available. There was a strategic plan by Jesus not to have a home and to be available to people. Um, and I think for us in discipleship, if we take out that component, I think it's not going to allow us to have the starting plan of discipleship, which is come to my home, come be a part of my life. Hey, you know, what do you, what do you do, you know, for a hobby? Oh, I like to play soccer. All right. I'll play soccer with you. You know I mean? These relational uh, beginnings um, that set the foundation for discipleship. And I think a lot of times we don't exercise those. Those We don't look at those. We fill ourselves with knowledge. We fill ourselves with strategy. And we don't make ourselves available. You know, and again, you know, Christ being the example, how available was he when he left heaven, came down to earth, in a human form to walk this earth. Like I want to be available to students, to people at that capacity where the beginning of discipleship is a relationship. So if you're at home, you're listening, like, are you available to students? Is it hard to get access to you? Um, you know, is your home open? Have you had somebody over to eat? Um, is, is your home a mystery to the people around you? Uh, is your, is your home life? Is it like a grand mystery or do they only hear about it when you speak and tell the stories about your kids? And I like to open up my life. Uh, and I really feel that that is the starting plan of discipleship. I think that's so good. I think of, um, pastor Brad Lewis's book, small group university of learning how to be a good host and learning how to set the spiritual climate and learning how to, you know, pray and cover those coming into your doors, but also what takes place in our home. What happens here doesn't always stay here, meaning that you should be able to reach the people once you leave our home. You should be invested in And he talks about STAR, S-T-A-R, that we need to be looking for leaders and also be a leader that is spirit-led or spirit-filled 
that's teachable, available, like you said, am I available like Christ is and was available? And then R is reliable. And I think those are some fun things to kind of do a personal inventory um, in certain areas of our life. Am I being a star, S-T-A-R? Am I spirit-led, teachable, available, and reliable to my students, to the people that I'm leading, to um, my family? It's just a great um, realization to step back and look and wow, where am I falling short or where am I choosing to disqualify myself or make excuses or use even COVID as an excuse? I mean, that is, I think it's an opportunity. How do we get creative? Wow. Now that's a million dollar question that everybody's trying to figure out, but I believe that there are so many people that are doing church and doing leadership and doing discipleship even better because it's forced us to yep. get on our knees as leaders and depend. in 2020 of, okay, if I don't invest in these 200 or 20 students, there's going to be zero people come spring or next semester or next fall. So right. how do we remain connected to the heart of Christ, but how do we remain available to those around us and to be in tune with what God is doing, I think is so um, exciting and detrimental during this time and a great challenge that we should always be living in and living under that authority and be a generation on our knees um, interceding for God's wisdom on you know their behalf and for the ministry's behalf so you know yeah. <clears throat> just like that something that Mike and I have kind of said and believed that goes with what you're saying of just availability of leaders and accessibility of leaders is like, I think that we would even go as far as to say is we probably wouldn't consider ourselves pastors to someone. They might attend our ministry gatherings or be a part of a small group, but we probably truly aren't their pastor until they've been in our home and or we've been in theirs. Like that that life, that availability, life on life, doing life together and openness and accessibility and availability. And I mean, I just remember something that stood out to me, the church I grew up in, every Sunday after uh, like worship, after the message, there was a prayer team that made themselves available. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was at a key moment trying to discern the call of God in my life and just not knowing what to do. And I went forward for prayer and a gentleman on that prayer team, I, I don't remember the Sunday, he prayed for me. And then he said, you know what? God's always been more concerned with my availability than my abilities. That's good. Wow, that's good. And that goes back to like at the very beginning of this podcast, we talked about where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. And the way is availability. Like if we make ourselves available, the Holy Spirit is going to lead and guide and direct and discern and give us divine appointments. And Andy, one of the, one of the things that in our conversations, there's two things that have really stood out to me. And I want to ask you about both of them one at a time. The first is about missions, missions, trips, and really your vision or idea behind MSU Chi Alpha and what do missions trips look like? What role do they play in your ministry? And what is the vision God's given you to carry around missions trips with students? Yeah. And uh, I, I just want to share it, like, before I get to that, like, I just want to share one of the things that you said that was powerful is, like, in the beginning, like, everybody is a is an invitation away from from heaven, in, in a sense. And I always ask myself, like, when I think about that, what are we inviting them to? Are we inviting them to information? Are we inviting them to a link? Are we inviting them to a program? 
we're inviting them to a relationship and a relationship with Jesus, but we are the examples of that relationship. The best vehicle of the gospel is a relationship. It was a, the example was Jesus. We had the law. We had a very thorough law before <laughs> Jesus. A overly thorough law. Like you, you ever been to that like uptight household or like event where everybody's following like this super rulesy? That was the culture, right? But it just wasn't enough. It was the best vehicle is a relationship. And a lot of times we want to invite people to a program, but we don't invite them to our lives. And um, the, the gospel can't translate without that relationship. And as far as the role that missions plays for it, like in our Chi Alpha, we, we love mission trips. In fact, again, you know, to uh, express one of you guys' points, you know, COVID is not going to stop us. And, um, you know, we've, we've traveled, we sent several trips throughout uh, the country and, uh, and the world. And of course, you know, traveling is not uh, uh, something that is at hand. The school, our school is recommending against it. So we want to be respectful to the school. So we're literally doing uh, uh, a mission trip in Springfield. <laughs> like we're, we're going, we found a, a few places here to work with. And um, we're actually launching them here in, in a week. And it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. And we're literally going to help here. And I feel where mission trip plays a strategic role is it reveals to people, the purpose of God. Um, I, I feel like, you know, somebody with passion, with uh, giftings, which a lot of young adults have, they're discovering the dip, they got energy, they, uh, they're excited, they want to discover things, but no purpose is just, it's detrimental. And um, even for, for me, I, I can see that in, in my early years, I had no purpose and I was destructive because of that. Wow. But when you reveal God's mission, when you say, hey, go here and let's see what they're doing and how they're impacting the neighborhood, how they're impacting their culture, how they're loving on people around them, it infuses that student with the purpose and the mission of God. And it's something powerful that happens to that. We always say this, like, missions trip is a starting point. Like, when somebody visits, you know, your ministry, um, if, if you're home, if, you know, you're checking this out. Like if somebody visits your ministry, that's not, you're like, all right, that's all right. Thanks for visiting. That's just a starting point. Exactly. Right? So when somebody goes on a missions trip, that's just a starting point. We're just revealing what God is doing and it puts them, of course, it's, they're not, it's, they're traveling or in our case, they're going somewhere where they're not familiar with puts them somewhere uncomfortable, right? They're very uncomfortable. They're like, in some cases, I don't know the language. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just, you know, being obedient. I'm like, wow, these are all formulas of somebody seeing God do something great. It puts them in a vulnerable place, in a receptive place. It exposes them to God's mission. And uh, we see it as a starting point because then through discipleship, we start asking the question, how what did God do in your life? How can you make this happen in your life, in your day to day? Is God calling you to this area? Is God calling you to another area? Mm -hmm. And um, that conversation sparks this sense of God's mission, exposing them to God's mission, not only in what we do, but mm -hmm. throughout the world. That's amazing. And I remember um, 
being 18 years old, going on my first missions trip with our youth group. And what's crazy is um, a group of us went to Belize. And I remember specifically what stands out most to me about that trip is God used our team in some powerful ways, but he used the trip, like you said, to understand purpose. And I remember we would stay up late at night and talk about the day and what God did and share testimonies and pray and pray about the next day. And then what's crazy is towards the end of the 10 days, we're like, let's not let this be an event. Let's let this be a lifestyle. That's good. And I've been trying to just participate in that lifestyle of a missions trip. And I kind of, hopefully, Lord willing, I've never stopped. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea of a missions trip is like you said, it's a starting point. It's an invitation to a lifestyle of mission, to a lifestyle of purpose through the vehicle of relationships. And I remember, Andy, we were on a flight one time. We were together and I was asking you about team building and discipleship and some of that we've covered, but you shared the importance of team building in or relationships in team building and even with hiring or recruiting team members. And can you talk about that for a few minutes of just like your thought process, your philosophy when maybe adding a team member or recruiting to your team or team building and kind of the philosophy of relationships as it relates to team building for ministry. Now, you know, I understand that my concept of, you know, how relationships play in team building, um, you know, it, it makes some people feel uncomfortable and it, it makes some people, uh, but it, it's just um, the only way I, I can see myself operating. But um, I, I feel like it's also the way that, you know, Jesus operated in a sense where there was either the disciples followed him and lived with him. So there was a strong relational component. I feel that God did not create two things that do, you know, do not go with each other. Right. And, you know, even in the fruits of the spirit, like joy, peace, love, you know what I mean? Like you, it, you can't fully embrace love without fully embracing peace. And, um, you know, with the concept of, of love, there's the, the foundation of joy that, so they, they all coincide. They all feed each other. So God made this amazing, amazing concept of friendship. And he is then also the creator of leadership. And for some reason, we felt like those two things can't collide. And, and to me, it just doesn't follow the pattern of God and Jesus. And um, so there is, there is a, I, I believe the stronger that somebody has a friendship with me, a, a true friendship with me, uh, the, the better um, we can lead together. Um, and uh, so I, I use, I always say I make rules for the 11, not, not the Judas, right? I make rules for, you know, not for the person that potentially can, you know, backstab me or not trust me or whatever. Um, I make, I make rules for the 11 who were close, who believed, who were there. And that, that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't pull his disciples together and go, all right, here's the deal. This, okay. I need to know where you guys are at all time. All right. I handle the money. Everything flows through me. He just trusted. I'm, I'm literally, you know, wide open to be, you know, I guess backstabbed or whatever. And I'm fine with that because 
That's how Jesus did it. And um, this concept that we want to build a team that disciples others, right? And we, we're like, when we say to people, go disciple others, we're literally telling them, go build relationships that are meaningful, purposeful, and lead people towards Jesus and lead people towards multiplying, right? And then we don't have that. You know, we, we have, you know, schedules. We have uh, uh, a plan. You, you, we have clear guidelines. But there's no way that that can be created. You know, Jesus didn't create this concept of discipleship from a philosophy or a theory. He created it from his own life. And for us, like, we can, like, I believe that the better friends I am with somebody, like, I literally, when somebody's coming on my team, this is the prayer that I have. I'm like, Lord, can I love them like, like you do? Can I care for them? If they have a family, can I love their kids? Can I care for the kids? Can I be, uh, you know, uh, compassionate towards their kids? Um, you know, the, their faults, can I, can I help carry them? Um, and um, not just their giftings. And I ask myself those things. And, you know, what needs to be produced from that is yes. You know, yes, I can. Because when somebody believes like, you know, I don't know, like if, you, if you've ever experienced this where you're, um, you're under somebody, but there isn't, there isn't that trust there. So you hold your talents, your giftings, or even things or comments, you hold it really tight because you're not sure what this person's going to do with it. You're not sure if they're going to respect it or if they're going to abuse it. So when somebody on my team knows that I truly care for them, that we have a bond, that I am there for them, it allows them to release those things over. It allows them to go as hard in the paint as possible because that trust is there that I, you know, and that I am looking out for them the best of my human Jesus following ability. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I can't separate the two. And I think a lot of times we have, Mm-hmm. And we've then produced programs. We've right. then produced, um, you know, knowledge. We maybe produced people that have an understanding, but we haven't produced genuine relationships because that is not being created in our in our setting. That's good, Andy. I just want to ask a follow up question because I think working with young adults and having young adult leaders on our team and come alongside us, we've recognized. One, this is just me processing raw right now, is one, many of them want a personal pastor. Two, many of them want a purpose and they want to serve your vision and they have a desire to do that. Three, we've realized this generation is very lonely and they want friendship. So I would say, how do we still lead and do what God's call us to do without blurring the line? When we have like all these different hats on, it's like, okay, you want to meet with me. Am I your pastor now? Can I say that I'm your friend now? Am I your mentor now? Like, how do you navigate those waters of still knowing that, Andy, I'm going to respect your authority because I'm under the vision that God has given you. Like, how do you as a leader do that? I love what you're saying that we need to be relational, have friendships, and we, we don't necessarily want to separate the two, but how do we lovingly correct when correction needs to be made? How do we come alongside when tragedy strikes? And how do we call out when we need to 
help them identify something in their personal walk with God that may not be very healthy. So how do you manage that tension? I guess that would be my question for you. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's a great question. And, and to tell you the truth, like, um, um, at times, even in, in, in my life, I've, I've had to navigate how to properly do that. Um, I, I would say this, the, the things that you just mentioned, you know, confrontation, authority, um, you know, respect, respecting each other's position, like aren't, are things that still exist within the concept of friendship. Um, they're not outside of those things. So if I'm somebody's friend and let's say we're friends, but he's the mayor, like he's the mayor of whatever city we live in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I still have a strong friendship with that person, but I still respect his position. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say things around him that would compromise his position. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to respect that. And that's what I should do as a friend mm -hmm. um, because those public office do hold a lot of, you know, public views. So when I'm around that person, I still respect, I, he's my friend, but I still respect his position. Likewise with, you know, if I'm discipling somebody, you know what I mean? My position doesn't compromise our friendship. Mm -hmm. um, and understanding that position that this person has and that authority that this person has, you know, uh, Jesus looked at his disciples. He's like, I now call you friends, which is, you know, uh, intriguing because like did he truly mean it that like did we take it as like you know you ever like see like you know a two-year-old you're like you're my best bud in the world i was like well if you really think about it like well you don't confine your like heart and soul to this kid like you know like and i, I think a lot of times we we see it as that like jesus looks at us and at that moment he's like you're my best bud but i really think he truly meant it that they were his friends so in a sense as a friend to somebody, I still respect their position. In fact, because I'm their friend, I should honor and respect that position in their life even more. Um, you know, if, if somebody is a pastor at my church and we've developed a friendship, that means that we're around each other. You know, we hit up some barbecues. We, you know, we, we meet up once a month, our families hang out just because he now we're doesn't friend, it shouldn't compromise his position. In fact, as his friend, I should honor his position even more. So if he walks up to me and says, hey, Andy, man, I notice you do this in the church. And um, man, it's, it's confusing people. You know what I mean? You're a deacon at this church. I'm the pastor. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to need you to look at that. You're like, you know what? As your friend, I'm going to honor your position here in this church. In fact, I'm going to back it up and humble myself. I think the component that taints friendship and leadership is pride. Wow. That's good. Somehow we think because we have access to somebody that it get, it allows us to compromise their position, but in the true uh, position of humbleness, like Jesus was the closest to God. He even was God in human form. But yet he says, I am the branch. Like I, I am the branch. He is the vine. Like I am, I can't do nothing without him. Right. What he says I do in a sense, that relationship that he had with the father never compromised 
his role here on earth. That's good. Amy, that's amazing. And I think part of the reason I asked you this question on this podcast initially is because um, when we were on this flight and I asked you some of these questions, you articulated some really strong feelings that I had had for a long time, but I had never been able to like put words to them. And what it was is like, I think as a young leader, sometimes the tendency I've had personally is to look at an org chart from the business world and try to fill roles or holes or positions with anyone who's living, breathing, willing, and wanting to serve or available. And, and that's, that's been a failure of mine at times as a young leader. And then similarly, I think in a couple of years back, starting a Chi Alpha campus ministry, a lot of times you see the norm is like forming, norming, and storming are some of the group development. Like if you study group development, those are some stages, but sometimes we take shortcuts um, as young leaders and we build a team of people we're really not friends with, of people we really don't have a relationship with. And then it doesn't go so well. And so I just asked you that out of a personal, like, man, do you think I was even evaluating, like, should we have hired some different positions? Should we have filled some different holes or roles? And I had felt the Holy Spirit lead me, like, build on the foundation of Christ, like Ephesians says, we're built on him as the cornerstone, in him the whole building joins together and rises to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And then he talks about the apostles and prophets. Then he, and so like from Christ being the cornerstone, then there's this invitation relationship and then, and it might be slower, but forming those relationships before building the team. And so I just found your insight to be tremendously impactful and helpful in my season of leadership. And I pray others do as well. And Micah, should we invite Andy to do a really special segment of the show we call the five and five? Uh, yeah, I think so. Awesome. This is our favorite part. I'm ready. Are you I'm ready? ready? He's warmed up. And just like the disciples, there was a, there was a sunrise and a sunset. So this is kind of the sunset of our time with each other. But for the listener, we get to tap into you with five more questions, rapid fire in five minutes. Are you sure you're ready? You look a little nervous. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? I'm, I'm ready. I just, I, I just want to, I'm, I'm just ready to deliver, but I am a little nervous. I'm, I, I don't want to like, you know, you ask a question like, what's the most important thing in your life? And I'm like, M&Ms. I'm like, no, it wasn't M&Ms. Why did I even say that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> There's no take backs here today, people. No one's I, <laughs> I'm feeling like, you know, uh, you ever... Uh, what is it? Uh, in a family feud at the end, you know, those rapid fire yes. and you always get once in a while somebody answers and Steve Harvey just works them. <laughs> You're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That has yeah, yeah. Question. Okay. So M&Ms don't answer m and No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is. Here's one question. All right. So question number one, Andy, if you could describe your soul in three words, what would those three words be? If I can describe my soul in three words, uh, uh, I would say uh, outgoing, um, relational, and uh, and willing. That's powerful. Outgoing, relational, and just willing. That's good. Uh, yeah. So grateful for that about you. And just, it could be with this question, it could be, 
verse, could be a quote, could be, but the question is, are there any words that you live by? Oh, yeah. If I would say this, it's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 9.20, uh, or it can be 2 Corinthians. I'm getting a little nervous now. But uh, it's uh, when uh, Paul's talking, he's like, to the Jew, I become like a Jew. To the man under the law, I become like one under the law. And it's a philosophy I live by. Like, I become all things to all men. And at the end, he says, to win as many as possible. And um, I want to live my life like there is no barriers. I would, to reach somebody, you know, I've played, uh, you know, I'm, I'm into sports and I've played d d You know what I mean? I'm, I'm whatever it takes to connect to somebody and to win as many as possible. Yeah, I, I would say if, if it's a code I live by is that. I try to. I try to. Good. All right, so question number three. Here's the curveball. Since you like sports, if you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what do you have in mind? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, here's, uh, okay, here would be the question. Okay. How, um, like, Josiah, you've written a book, mm-hmm. right? You've, uh, uh, you're in, you're both in college, uh, college ministry. How, what inspired you to just start a book and to put it for both you guys? Cause you know, I feel like it was, you know, a collective work to mm-hmm. put it, put, to put it together. What, what made that happen? Yeah. I think the need for me, cause Mike has written a book too. Hers is called the worth the yeah. Week journal. Um, yes. I, I think like the reason that we both, even this podcast is like, when we look at there is a need that's so great for the first book, Debtless, it was young adults are graduating with $1.6 trillion in student loans among 40 million college students. And I'm a college pastor. I have a heart for young adults. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the greatest obstacles that I see preventing holistic ministry from happening. And it's just harming their futures and their dreams and their potential. And I'm like, not on our watch. We got to do something about that. And I, I mean, I can speak for this podcast too, like, the church in America, two-thirds of young adults don't realize that an adult believes in them. Right. That's wow. what this is about. That's what wow. this is about. So you have young adults are leaving the church at about the same rate as they realize that an adult doesn't believe in them. Mm-hmm. So we're here to say, we believe in you. We are here to be a resource oh. because other resources don't exist. And I don't know. Right what you would have to say about that too. Yeah. Yeah, Well, obviously finances are something that all of us get to deal with and manage and learn how to steward, whether you're a believer or non-believer listening today. That's just facts that money helps our dreams come alive. And that's one thing that Josiah and I said, we want to begin our um, life and marriage with the end in mind. So on our honeymoon, we talked about what are our lifetime goals together when it comes to finances, whether it's a dream home or a vacation yearly or a family, you know, fill in the blank. So we unpack that even on our honeymoon, but I would say in worth the wait, my passion came from people not asking me the hard questions when I was 18 to 25, when I was in an ungodly relationship, when I was making ungodly decisions, when I was choosing to tr- uh, to run from Christ instead of towards him. And it wasn't until I was like 23, 24, when I was invited to an event, invitation, was invited to an event, and God um, 
called me up and called me out and said, I have plans for you. And the relationship that you're in is not anointed by me. It's not appointed by me. And you've not prayed about it. And you didn't ever get into it when you said, yes, let's make this official. And so for me to see the impure decisions that young adults are making starting at age 10, 11, 12, um, into the early twenties that haunts them for a lifetime. That's where my passion came from. And God called me out. He's like, either you're going to use your testimony to further my kingdom, or you're going to allow the enemy to hold you by the neck and silence you. And so I took it, um, as a challenge from the Lord and, um, something to stand on to realize that this is not just a micro problem of not praying into a future relationship when I was dating somebody that I shouldn't have been dating, but this is a pandemic essentially across the whole young adult wow. generation of them realizing and recognizing that their identity cannot be found in anything aside from Christ. They cannot be whole when they're in a relationship that is broken. <laughs> they cannot <clears throat> find their comfort, <clears throat> excuse me, and their salvation in a person. They have to find it in Christ. And so God said, I never had mentors in my life for this. I was not discipled at that age. And God said, if you want to do what I've called you to do, then you will be a disciple for those people. And you will become the young woman to ask the young women, the challenging question that you were never asked. So essentially I had said yes to that. That's a huge challenge. And still it's challenging to find, you know, people who are above me, who are calling me up and out as a woman in ministry. So to be able to talk about the purity factor is definitely where um, I'm passionate about. And that's passion that we had in our dating, just like myself, in our engagement and in our marriage to say, Hey, we entered marriage pure because we had hard conversations while we were single. And we worked through our garbage Mm -hmm. while we were single to come in and be two whole people coming together instead of one broken or both broken, trying to start a foundation on a broken marriage. So that's why I'm passionate about why we do. And let's be honest, power, sex, and money are all things that the whole world wrestles with. And if we can talk about purity in the sex world and we can talk about finances and we can, you know, be submitted to God in heaven with all of that, then we're going to do it. And we're going to keep, you know, staying in the field until all stones are unturned, like I talk about in Matthew and to find the treasure that God has for us. So that's why we do what we do, Andy. I'm inspired. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. And now back to you. Question four or five. We'll wrap these up. Um, will you share about maybe a mistake you made in ministry and what God taught you in the process? Oh, wow. There are one, many mistakes uh, in, in ministry I will make. I, I would say I always walked into ministry thinking that um, the key to it is for me to be the expert. Like, um, I just, I, I wanted, I had this uh, inspiration to walk in a meeting and be the one to be like, you know, people like, ah, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, actually, if you do this and do that, and they're like, oh my goodness, Andy, this great knowledge flowed from you. Like you've solved our problem. And, uh, and I'm like, that's right. And that's why I'm leading you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and um, to tell you the truth, it's like um, this, this need for me to be the expert mm. Um, it's really, it's for me to develop people is really, uh, where I want. So I've, I've seen more value in, um, in allowing people to solve it than being the one who solves it for them. And, um, I I've realized that like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a boisterous person. And, um, so 
And, um, you know, I, I love to be in the mix. You know what I mean? I, I want to be, I want to be in the problem solving. So the, the urgency for me is to be in, but, uh, like I've learned that a lot of times stepping out, there's something powerful about that. And if I do it strategically and if I prep people and I make the vision clear and the destination clear, man, it's actually something more powerful. So it's not about me being the expert, but it's about me serving people who are. That's so good. All right, Andy, last and final question of the day. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today if we handed you the mic? Relationships. Relationships. College students are so hungry for community and relationships that the worldly institutions, right, fraternity, sorority, yeah. they won't pay fees, be yeah. humiliated, right? Um, you know, if we look at uh, bars and clubs, right, they're willing to pay entry fee. Look at what modern day judgment looks at when somebody scans you up and down and says, if you are available to be a part of what's going on, they pay outrageous fees. They pay outrageous money to be a part of what? that community that offers every weekend or an impoverished community, they don't have finances. So they trade respect, their freedom. You know what I mean? What to be a part of a community. And if we're not the ones offering that relationship and offering that community, they'll go somewhere else to find it. Relationships is the key. Andy, amazing note to leave everyone on. We are grateful for you, for your relationship with the Lord, for our relationship that we get to be friends with you is fantastic and a blessing. So thanks for investing in us and this community of listeners today. Well, dude, I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. I, I you, you guys are the couple that I'm, I'm bummed that I live so far away. I know. I we were just down the street. I, I will be in your house all the time. We'll, we'll be hanging out all the time. And you're, you guys are amazing. Just a dynamic couple. And every time I, I talk to you, to you guys, uh, definitely inspired. So thank you so much. It's an honor. Well, thank you. Next time we're in your hood, we'll bring a, well, we'll prepare for a barbecue or something. <laughs> Yo, let's go, man. Bring, bring the kiddo. Let's make this happen. Awesome. Love you, Andy. And, Listeners, you can find out more about Pastor Andy Estrella and MSU Chi Alpha when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as just follow along on the journey. Social media is at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah signing off as your hosts. There you go. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.